Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I, understandably so, you know, we're a little bit late to the whole trade deadline thing because eh, we've got lives and uh, don't get paid tons of money to do this. So, you know, we got to pick a day that works and it's two days after the trade deadline. But, you know, we, we figure the best part about it is that now we get everything gets to simmer, settle a little bit. You know, everybody gets their opinions and then we swoop in with the real deal. That's that's the way it goes. We we just come in a little bit later, but then we've actually thought it through. You know, it's not that that knee jerk reaction. So that that's what you're going to get from us. And we are just going to run down all the trades surrounding trade deadline day, starting with the New Jersey Devils and the New York Islanders uh, making one of the biggest splashes of the trade deadline. I know it wasn't trade deadline day, but but the region. Uh, Justin, before we dive in, what did you think about this year's trade deadline? Uh, kind of, I mean, uneventful, but to the point to where I kind of expected it, right? Your team made like the biggest move. I know. Well, that, <laughs> Wasn't that uneventful? That was great. You know, last minute, Steve Eiserman swooping in and stealing the show as he normally does. But, um, you know, I, I did not expect a ton of movement. I did not expect as many trades. And it, you know what? It's it showed, right? I mean, a lot of teams up against the cap, a, a flat cap right now, and you know we had we saw a lot of trades where third teams coming in to broker some money and get a little tiny pick out of it, and my Red Wings being one of them. And so, uh, yeah, I, I outside of that Mantha trade, there weren't any like gigantic trades at deadline. But I mean, most of the trades were made the night before or the week before, and so. Um, overall, I would call it trade week versus trade day, in my opinion. But. Sure, sure. It, it kind of always ends up being something like that. Right. At least, like at least a you know seventy two hours worth of trades or something. Uh, okay, well let's let's just jump right into the first deal uh, between the Devils and the Islanders, the one that really got everything kicked off. I'd say that, that that's that's the best way to describe this deal. Is it really like it just it began the snowball? Um, because once those guys were were out, it obviously allowed for other teams to move elsewhere. So the New Jersey Devils give Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac to the New York Islanders in exchange for A.J. Greer, Mason Jost, 2021 first-round pick, and a 2022 conditional fourth-round pick. And if the Islanders happen to go to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, that fourth-round pick becomes a third-round pick in either 2022 or 2023. The Islanders are the ones who have the option of which pick they will transfer. So, uh, yeah, if uh, what, what do you think of this deal? And I don't know if there's really a way to say that there was a winner and a loser because both teams got what they needed. But uh, what do you think of Palmieri and Zajac on the Islanders? Yeah, you know what? I think you put it perfectly. Uh, you know, there's no winners here. Uh, you know, and we'll wait and see how deep the Islanders go with both these guys and if they can contribute. But, yeah, you know, I like Paul Mary. I think he was a guy that a lot of teams had their eyes on. And we, I mean, we kind of figured he was probably going to hit the open market and leave New Jersey this offseason uh, with a team that's in the middle of a rebuild and not really contending at this point, and he's getting up there in age. Uh, however, what I will say is Paul Mary fits the Islander style of play very, very well. Um, however, on the downside of that, if you look over the last couple of years, his goal scoring ability is kind of going down. Now, again, does that, you know, say more about the devils themselves of being not, not being able to produce anymore, or is that more or less that he's on the decline, right? 
Well, I mean, um, he's. Uh, I mean, uh, other than this year, really, he's. I mean, twenty-five goals last year in sixty-five games, twenty-seven and seventy-four the year before, and twenty-four and sixty-two the year before that, twenty-six in eighty and thirty and eighty-two before that. So, I don't know if you can really say that his goal scoring's declined, other than this year, which I would agree with. But the Devils have been uh, lackluster. Is that a good word for? It? I mean, so basically, yeah. you know, he's he's on pace for like a a sixteen, probably a twenty goal season in eighty two games this year, which still isn't isn't bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who's supposed to be your top line forward, that's not a good year. Yeah, I mean, let's face it too. For a first round pick, that's likely going to end up being a late first rounder, anyways. Um, this is this is a home run because now for Zajac too they acquire him as well. Um, they get some flexibility, right? So on that that middle six, bottom six pairing, wherever you want to put him in terms of you know third or fourth line, uh, you know you get some flexibility, right? You can put him on the wings, you can put him at center, and he's still a decent faceoff guy. Uh, so that gives you some flexibility there with your lineup as well. And then of course it's it's depth, right? And we know pl- come playoff time, having depth really produ- you know pays off, and so. For a team that likes to play a good defensive game, they've got a guy in Zajac who's pretty good at both ends of the ice. Yeah, Zajac was playing with uh, with Barzell and Eberle, actually. Yeah. And then you you had Palmieri with uh, with Pajot and Wallstrom, which uh, which I mean it's it's it is interesting to me, you know, seeing Travis Zajac playing up that way. Uh, whereas, yeah, and I do think you're going to see a lot of switching. In terms of those guys, are gonna till they find something that really clicks and works, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Paul Mary already has a goal. Zajac has has nothing through uh, three games. I mean, it's small, very small sample size. Um, Paul Mary getting some looks on that second power play unit as well. So, I mean, I, all in all, I think it's a fantastic move for the New York Islanders in replacement of Anders Lee. I mean, you had to do something. You're not going to get another Anders Lee, and. You know, I maybe a little bit of a, a committee replacing Anders Lee, which was kind of what you had to do anyways. And when you look at this team, even without Anders Lee, they're still a Stanley Cup contender, and and a, definitely a team that you know in, in this East Division, they're one of I guess one of three four teams that you're pretty sure could make it out of here. Uh, this division is just insane, though. <laughs> Islanders could lose in the first round. And no one, I don't think I'd be surprised. You know, they could lose in the first round. You could, they could be up against what they could be up against Pittsburgh. Potentially, they play like a, I doubt they'll end up playing Washington in the first round, but could play Boston. Could play Boston. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's not going to be an easy run to the conference finals for anyone in this division. Like, there's, there's not going to be any team where you go, wow, what a disappointment. They lost to this team. There's just, yeah, and what the I, division's just stacked. Yeah, and what I will say, too, is I'm glad the Islanders didn't wait to get closer to the deadline like some teams did. They went out, they knew what they wanted, they got their guy, and they didn't wait for someone else to swoop in and grab him. Exactly. I, yeah, you give your guys a little that little extra time to to just adjust to a new team, adjust to a new system, and, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that as well. Uh, for the Devils... I mean, a first-round pick. To me, I, I love the idea of hey, you know, they gave up two players. Yes, they retained, uh, you know, clo- over a little over five million dollars in in uh, salary as well. 
But rather than dealing these guys individually where you might not have gotten that first round pick, I like that they packaged them together and they were able to to kind of upgrade, even though, you know, even, like let's assume, let's say the Islanders lose in the first round. I mean, it's still likely to be just a somewhere around number 20, 21. So it's still not a super high pick, but hey, it's it's still a first round pick. And it's you've just got that much... Uh, ch- higher chance of getting getting somebody of of higher caliber, which really is what the Devils need. Like the Devils aren't filling their roster with a couple, you know, this guy here, grab him in the third round, and he'll play in your bottom six. Like Devils don't need bottom six guys. The Devils need high end talent, and generally you find those guys in the first round. So uh, good on uh, good on the Devils to find that first round pick. Good on Sweet Lou bringing in two of his uh, two of his boys. I'd say. Yeah, there you go. Okay, the Blackhawks. They they were sort of. I mean, they made a few moves on this day. Kind of kind of interesting moves that the Blackhawks made. Almost um, it was trade deadline day, but they're making some moves that will potentially help them in the future. They bring in Brett Connolly, uh, Henrik Borgstrom, who was a I believe high second round pick for the Florida Panthers at one point. Uh, Riley Stillman and a 2021 seventh round pick. They give up. Lucas Walmark and Lucas Carlson, so essentially taking on some salary in Brett Connolly uh, that allowed the Panthers some flexibility later on in the day. But uh, yeah, they they bring in Brett Connolly, who Brett Connolly has. Uh, I mean, he's not that far removed from a twenty goal season. I think two, three years ago he had uh, he had twenty two. Last year he had tw- nineteen. Like this, yes, he only has four points in twenty one games. He just no longer fit with the Panthers, but he has uh, he won a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, if you remember. He he did really well in the playoffs. He had nine points, six goals in those twenty four games. So Brett Connolly, a guy with some experience and somebody who can you know maybe fit somewhere in that bottom six for Chicago, uh, a veteran guy who uh, who will fit, I think, in Chicago. Yeah, and I mean the key in this whole trade, right, was obviously moving out the salary. Um, but Borgstrom really, uh, you know, for Chicago getting that prospect there, I think that's what they really wanted and taking on that salary for a team in the, you know, in Chicago, that's going to have some cap space over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, they're not looking to spend anytime soon from what I understand. So, uh, getting a good prospect out of it just to move a couple contracts out and take on, you know, a little over 2 million bucks isn't, isn't so bad. Yeah. This is actually the second time in less than a year. Or, uh, I guess in 14 months that the Florida Panthers have traded for Lucas Walmark. They acquired him right. from the Carolina Hurricanes last year. So uh, Lucas Walmark is obviously just he's kind of there to, to fill space. But he, uh, you know, he's had some decent years uh, last couple of years playing that bottom six role. So Lucas Walmark maybe could also do something for the Florida Panthers moving forward. Um, and he's nice and cheap. OK, the Leafs acquire Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a monster conditional seventh round pick. It upgrades to a sixth round pick if Nash appears in 25% of the Leafs 2021 playoff games, which I think is likely unless he gets hurt. So likely it's a sixth round pick for Riley Nash. Yeah. And can't be upset about this, right? I mean, he's a, he's a good centerman. Uh, takes face off very well and he's, he's responsible at both ends. He's not going to, you know, produce a ton of points for you, but for a fourth line guy, I mean, he, he does what's needed and can produce just enough, uh, 
to be, you know, to, to basically take up that spot. Right. So, yep. um, you know, for a team again, you know, that, you know, has had problem filling in roles on that fourth line. It seems like they found a guy that can, that can come in and he can play on the wing too. So that's always nice. So if you still want to keep Spets on that, that fourth line, or if you want to bump him up to the third, whatever you want to do, you got flexibility now too. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a, a good amount of playoff experience in the NHL. He's played 30, 32 games of playoff experience over the last four years. So, uh, definitely not a bad guy to have around. Uh, he's actually won a couple rounds in his career, unlike a couple guys on the Leafs. So they can always use that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a nice depth move for the Leafs and uh, definitely like a salary move. They were able to do this because of some of the L- guys on LTIR. So, uh, okay, the Avalanche acquire Patrick Nemeth for a fourth round pick from the Detroit Red Wings. Pretty straightforward. Uh, Red Wings uh, retain 50% of the salary as well. Uh, your thoughts? Are you good with getting a fourth round pick for Nemeth? Yeah, I mean, again, this is you know Detroit just getting what they can at this point for some of these guys that are on expiring deals, and um, you know I think a fourth round pick is is a good return on a guy who plays a good defensive game can can pair up on your you know he's a good number four number five defenseman uh, you know for Colorado and especially for a Colorado team that is poised to make a push right there Stanley Cup contender, but the concern is. You know, what we're hearing is that Eric Johnson is not likely going to be back during the regular season. There's a potential for him to return the playoffs. Um, but for a team that really last year you saw Eric Johnson go out and really miss his defensive side of the game, right? And it really hurt this team. And so, again, this is a guy, Patrick Nemeth, who is pretty good. He's got decent, you know, metric numbers here. So um, I like this move. He, he kind of gives him a little flexibility and, you know, a little um, insurance on the back end. And it never yeah. hurts to have depth at defense either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the second time that the Colorado avalanche have, uh, have acquired Patrick Nemeth. Uh, they signed him, uh, back in what, tw- uh, 2018. And then he left signed with red wings and here he is getting traded back to the avalanche. So I, I do think some of this trade is probably, you know, the avalanche could have gone out and gotten any, any number of guys like, you know, there were other guys available like a Patrick Nemeth and, uh, they go after the guy that they know, and I think that that's definitely that, there's definitely something to that. You know, you, you try to get the guys that you know can fit your system, and why not bring in a guy who you liked, uh, who happened to just go sign somewhere else in the off season? Yep. One trade that I was uh, had me scratching my head, which you know, a lot of the things that the Buffalo Sabers have done over the last, I don't know. 12 years have left me scratching my head. Uh, but Brandon Montour for a third round pick to the Florida Panthers. Um, that's it. Third round pick for Brandon Montour. I mean, Brandon Montour is a top four defenseman. I, in my mind, and yeah, he no, just went for a third round pick. Yeah. Not only that, is he a top four, but he's a right-handed shot, which teams covet. Right. And we know Florida is, you know, without Aaron Ekblad, so they have that need for a right-handed shot. So you you would think that Buffalo could have leveraged that, that into second. maybe at least a second. Yes, absolutely. Or two uh, thirds or something. I don't know. Right, a little bit more than that. And I think Buffalo was maybe at a point, you know, where they're just like sell everything, get what you can, and maybe they're you know Kevin Adams is sitting there thinking, okay, crap, I'm I'm on my way out the door. I might as well make this look rookie. okay. Like rookie defense. Yeah. No, he's not going to get fired. No, no. I, I mean, he's not going to get fired, but I mean, he's he's definitely going to be on the hot seat here, you know, maybe next season. But this is his uh, first year as a general manager. I 
I know well, for, it's, he's in his first full year. <laughs> I don't think that he's getting fired, but I, I do. And I, I question some of that. It's almost like, you know, all these teams trading with Florida, they turned on the trade difficulty to easy because <laughs> <laughs> some of these things just, I, I, I can almost guarantee you if you went and you go play NHL 21, I don't think you could make those moves with the Buffalo Sabres. I don't think that the computer would accept them. No. So uh, that's, that's kind of a, uh, no, yeah. and Montour, he, he's a big body. He, he can still move his feet, produce a little bit. And I mean, yeah, third round pick. I was a little disappointed in that, but good on the Florida Panthers, at least going out and getting somebody to fill in that back end because they needed to, they need to send a message to the locker room and say, Hey, we're in on it for you guys this year. We want you to make a deep run. All right. Uh, let's go. The Colorado avalanche in another deal with the San Jose sharks as predicted. You, you did, I believe predict that Devin Dubnik would get dealt at the deadline and he goes to the avalanche for a, Greg uh, Paterin and uh, really just a salary dump and a 2021 fifth round pick. Your thoughts yeah. on the deal? Disappointed from Colorado's perspective, right? Like I understand they wanted to go out and get a goaltender because Grubauer's great. Um, you know, Frank Kuz is not going to be playing in the playoffs. And so you don't want any one of those guys that I think they got Johansson from Buffalo. They picked him up on waivers. You don't want to rely on any of these guys should Grubauer go down just like he did last year, right? We saw what happened with this team. They they exploded and just everybody thought they were going to win the Cup. Then their goaltender gets injured. Eric Johnson's gone on the back end, and this team just falters hard. Um, now, when we talked about it earlier, right, with with uh, Patrick Nemeth, familiarity coming in, um, you know, in Colorado, he's been there before. A guy I thought that was primed to get picked up by Colorado was Jonathan Bernier. Um if you, I mean, honestly, I think it wouldn't have cost them anything more than maybe a fourth or third round pick at this point. And, you know, to give up a fifth for a guy in Devin Dubnik, in my opinion, who is way past, you know, anything, you know, that I would expect out of a backup. This guy is a third, maybe fourth stringer goalie at best right now at this point in his career. Well, did um, the Wings just not want to, you know, did they not want to uh, to deal Bernier? Because obviously they had every opportunity to do it at the deadline and they yeah, didn't. I, you know what? I it's not like honestly, they dealt him to another team, right? No, there wasn't a big goaltender market, but I think what you know there have been rumblings that the Wings would like to retain Bernier past this year because obviously the Wings don't have any real goaltender prospects in the pipeline coming up. So I think Bernier sticking around would be great, and I think they can get him at a reasonable price. But you know, I mean, it it wouldn't have hurt to say, hey, do you want to go somewhere and uh, you know make a run at a cup right now? Because the Wings, I mean, he's he's. He knows the Wings are a few years removed from being even bubble playoff contenders at this point. So, uh, you know, why not give him an opportunity, I guess? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, Devin Dubnik, well, he has – he just has a, a better pedigree, I'll say. Like, even even if they aren't that, that different of a player now in terms of maybe their statistics, I also – it's really hard to look at anybody on the San Jose Sharks and point the finger – at the way that they play it. Like they, they, they just don't play for a team with such good defensemen, supposedly uh, they, <laughs> they don't, they hang their goalie out to dry quite a bit. Uh, and I, and I know Bernier has had a, a halfway decent season, uh, which it might explain why the wings want to hold on to him. You know, they're, they're telling him, Hey, you know, you've been playing really well this year. You're, he's a solid, I don't think he's a number one at all, but he's a, a solid one B I think you need to have a guy who's better than him on your team, but he definitely can slide in. If there was an injury, you know, Jonathan Bernier is fine coming in for several games in a row. 
Uh, but I think this is more of a case of the Wings not wanting to give up Bernier. And, you know, also Devin Dubnik maybe a little more, maybe a little more poise. I, I think when it, when it comes to a guy, you look at him, you go, I mean, he's won the Vesna. He's, uh, did he win a Vesna? I feel like he won a Vesna. No, no, no he didn't win a Vesna. Well, he came close. Nope. He was nominated, <laughs> right? He was in the top yes, three. He's been nominated. Yes. I'll take it. Uh, Okay. <laughs> you know, he has the pedigree and Jonathan Bernier really just has a pedigree of being a, of losing and playing for really bad teams. So maybe this but is a little bit does of does well on those bad teams. So put him on a good team for once and we'll see where tell he me, goes. Tell me that <laughs> the Leafs man, that guy was so bad. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's, let's get off the, <laughs> that the train, the Bernier train. train. <laughs> okay. Big move. The Columbus blue jackets and the Tampa Bay lightning, Via the Detroit Red Wings, uh, the Lightning acquire David Savard and Brian Lashoff. The Blue Jackets get a first and a third round pick from Tampa Bay. The first in 2021, the third in 2022, and the Red Wings. The David Savard gets dropped off for a moment, and they scoop up two million bucks, and they get a fourth round pick for their two million bucks. And out the door he goes. Your thoughts on this move? How do you feel about uh, fourth round? Uh, is a fourth round pick worth two million dollars? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you look at previous years, what it what it costs to retain salary, the Wings actually did a little bit better, and I think uh, that's set because the market is what it is with the flat cap and teams not willing to spend. So, yeah, you know, to to spend you know to spend two million bucks to get a fourth rounder, why not? Right? The Wings aren't uh, you know exactly a franchise that's hurting for money. Uh, there are a few of them in the NHL that are. So the Wings had an opportunity in cap space to to get a little something, something, and they did. And I mean, yes, it is Tampa's fourth rounder, so it's likely going to be at the bottom, the end of that fourth round. But still, for for a few couple million bucks, I mean, why not? The the bigger kicker for me though in this whole thing was Tampa Bay landing the top defenseman in you know on the trade bait boards, right? I mean, you know, there were rumors for a while about. Uh, Ekholm being available sure, and then sure. not when Nashville got hot. But I mean, this guy is, you know, he's going to be a free agent. We know he's, you know, going to hit the market and he was a hot commodity. And Tampa to me was a team right up against the cap. I thought there's no way they can, they could have possibly made this move. And, and what do you know? They go out and they just say, okay, we're going all in again. We're, we're getting rid of our first rounder. And Heck yeah, they bring... better go all in. I mean, it's kind of what you yeah. got to do. Yeah. The, I mean, uh... it's, it's crazy to me. Like last year they go out and they, they get Barclay, Goudreau, Blake Coleman. You know, you, you think two of the top, you know, trade bait guys again. You're thinking, oh, great. They, they, there's no way they can do that again. And what do you know? They just go out and they just get the best guy on the draft or on the trade board again for another year in a row. Yeah, uh, certainly Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, really their their acquisition is going to be getting back Kucherov, right? Like that's, that yeah, is that's, what, <laughs> that's what they're count, really counting on. And uh, yeah, Dave, David Savard, I mean, what a gift. David Savard just goes and, oh, he gets to play with Victor Hedman. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this back end is now stacked even better than last year. They've got Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, and Savard as your top four. That is as good as it gets in the NHL. Yeah, right and they've and the way that they've played thus far, they've got Hedman with Savard, McDonough with Zernak, and then uh, Sergachev is playing with you know, whoever they slot in there with their Ben Thomas yeah. or whoever they want to stick in there. Luke with Shen, exactly, but... Sergachev, you know, obviously he's a he's a dynamite on the on the power play, but still you got you got four or five really good defensemen there that I mean every team is would be jealous to have. So 
Yeah, once you know Stam Stamkos has been out a little bit and been been hurt, he, if he can get fully healthy and Kucherov's fully healthy, watch out. It's going to be interesting. Although Kucherov, I don't think he's going to be able to play in the regular season at all. Even if he was healthy, they can't take him off LTIR because they don't have the money. They don't have the cap space now, <laughs> right. so they have to keep him on. And then in the playoffs, they can bring him back because there's no there's no cap in the playoffs. Sure. So you can kind of game the system there. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that move, and likely that first round pick really like basically a second round pick. Uh, so, but Columbus stacking up their first round picks here. Uh, they're going to get another one a little bit later, and so that'll give them three. So the Columbus Blue Jackets are definitely priming themselves to be very busy at the draft. I'm certain they'll be one of the the teams everyone's looking at, seeing what they're going to do. Because you never know, you you know you try to package some of the a couple of those and and move up in the draft, and it's also likely that they themselves will have a pretty high pick in this draft. Uh, somehow they have fallen to a place where they're only three points back of the Red Wings, <laughs> which is, oh, which is the way that the Red Wings were playing earlier in the year. Uh, it's it is surprising to see how far the Columbus Blue Jackets have fallen. Uh, I think the, the Blue Jackets are interesting because. You know how long does John Tortorella last, and uh, that that's going to kind of be the. I guess that's the one good thing for Yarmo Kekalainen. Tortorella's lasted a long time. I think has he been there? Not the whole time that Kekalainen was was there. Uh, I but I, I think that he's been there for a long time, right? He's Kekalainen started there in 2013, so I'm, he would have brought in Tortorella because Tortorella. Has been there since when? 2018. Has it only been since? Right? No, it's been no. longer than 2018. No, that's his last contract. I'm sorry. 2015, yeah. he was hired because that, remember, he got fired from Vancouver yep. and was brought in there. So uh, a, that's, that's a pretty good, you know, a pretty good track record. He's only, he's only hired one coach and it's John Tortorella. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be an interesting offseason regardless because not only do they have torch to think about, but you've also got Patrick Liney and trying to figure out what you do with him. Right. And not to mention you've got two goaltenders coming up the year after. I mean, you've got a whole bunch of things to, to figure out if you're Columbus. So. Yeah, Columbus will have a fun offseason. Uh, small trade, the Devils acquire Jonas Seigenthaler from the Washington Capitals for a conditional third-round pick that happens to be Arizona's. And Arizona's draft pick is currently listed as conditional between Arizona and New Jersey. If the pick is not transferred to New Jersey, the third round pick will be changed to New Jersey's 2021 third round pick instead of Arizona's. So that's <laughs> a, it's a condition based on another trade that will be the condition of this trade. Uh, basically in a bill, the capitals needed to trade out some salary. Uh, the Red Wings acquire Hayden Verbeek and a fifth round pick from that is Ottawa's in 2021 for John Merrill to the Montreal Canadiens. Any uh, any thoughts on? I don't I don't know who Hayden Verbeek is to be honest. That's young guy, 23 years old. Looks like he's most he hasn't really played a whole lot this year. So no, and that's just simply a contract for contract, right? They're just moving out a, a contract to bring in another one. But the fifth round pick is really essentially what you're you're giving up for John Merrill and. Um, you know, yes, it's it's nice the Red Wings get another prospect, um, but you know, losing the flow, that hair from John Merrill, oh man, that's the most disappointing part of this whole thing, to be quite honest. Yeah, Mo- Montreal, uh, I guess they they felt like they 
you know, just needed to stack the cupboards just a little bit more. I mean, when you look at what Montreal has done, not just in this trade deadline, uh, but really just in the off season off after that first, well, not really a first round, but the preliminary round win over the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Montreal Canadians went all in. And uh, I think we're seeing that at the deadline. Like they're just trying to scoop up as many pieces. We know they, you know, they got Eric Stahl earlier and, and they're just trying to do anything to keep this roster going until guys like Brendan Gallagher come back and Ben Sherratt. And I, I think that whoever they play in the first round, it's going to be a tough out. Like they're not going to be as, as easy of an out as maybe some people think they might be. Uh, and you know, Hey, if that first round, it's looking more and more like it's going to be Toronto, Montreal, which would be pretty, a pretty epic first round. I mean, they haven't played each other in the playoffs since, do you know when? Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I think honestly, Toronto's going to match up with Edmonton in the first round. I think that's where the standings will fall at this point. So, okay. which is what everybody wants to see, including myself. That would, that would be pretty, I mean, no matter how you cut it, I mean, it's going to be really fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. either going to be Toronto, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton. In the second round, you're going to get you know, some combination of that. Hopefully, my God, hopefully, hopefully the Leafs can <laughs> can figure out how to win a round. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, they better. <laughs> uh, okay, let's continue trucking through these. Actually, speaking of the Leafs, we have another trade. The Leafs acquire Stefan Nosen and, and Nick Foligno uh, for a first round and a fourth round pick to the blue jackets and another fourth round pick to the sharks who grabbed 50% of the contract, which was, uh, ends up being 1.3 million. So, uh, because the blue jackets grabbed the other 50% as well. So it was a 50%, 25% one of those deals. Uh, your thoughts on this deal. My gosh, I love this move for the Maple Leafs. I'm sure you're probably elated, but to me, this was one of the best, the best, one of the best pickups of the day, in my opinion. I know, again, I, I love the fact that, you know, Dubas is willing to say, hey, we're going all in on this year. Here's the first rounder. We're going to go out and get a guy that, that fits really, really well in any locker room. He's a leader. He can still produce on the wing a little bit. And I mean, this guy, this guy's the whole package, and I think he's going to fit very, very nice in terms of that middle six, and maybe you get an opportunity to, uh, you know, maybe bump Alex Galchenyuk off that top line. I don't know if you want to keep him up there all year. Um, but regardless, yeah, he's been kind of bouncing around. I, I, I got to think that Nick Felino is going to get his shot with Tavares. Yeah, yeah. It, I it, so. He mean, he can play. That's a nice thing about him is that he can play anywhere. You're almost getting, you're almost getting your another Zach Hyman. In in some yeah, he, in I mean, some respect, Swiss Army knife. A yeah, little bit. Right? Yes, exactly. Kill penalties and uh, a little, obviously a little bit older, uh, but. When uh, yeah, you look at the way that he can really fit anywhere on this team, it, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, I don't mind giving up the first round pick. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, it is funny that you know you look at it and you go, okay, Taylor Hall, second round pick, Nick Foligno, first round pick. Like, <laughs> who? If you had said that a year ago, Taylor Hall would get dealt for a second round pick, and Nick Foligno would get dealt for a first and a fourth, people would have thought you're crazy. Yeah, no I mean, I, I will tell you why that why I think that occurred and uh, why Felino got more when we when we get to Taylor Hall. I'll, I'll okay. dive into that a little bit. More. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, personally, love the move. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see 
you know, how uh, what happens after quarantine? I just saw he uh, he tweeted about uh, yesterday a picture of him leaving his kids, which is which I'm sure would be a really hard thing to do. Uh, but good on him. You know, he's going to come. He's going to try and help the Leafs win a cup. And one thing I like about what the Leafs have done here at the trade deadline, they went out and they got all these players who have killed them in the past in the playoffs. Nick Foligno destroyed them in the playoffs last year. And uh, and I'm glad that we don't have to play against him again. Uh, <laughs> Riley Nash has played them twice, once for the Boston Bruins, once for the Blue Jackets. Obviously was a, a part of some winning teams there. And, well, we haven't played David Riddick in the playoffs. David Riddick destroyed us earlier in the regular season. So I, I like that they went out and got some guys that it was like, all right, we, we need to not lose to these guys again. Let's just <laughs> let's just go scoop them up. So I, I like that. I love and, it. Uh, speaking of David Riddick, Leafs acquire him for a third-round pick in 2022. The Flames retain 50% of the contract. Uh, love the move. I mean, you just kind of had to do something with Anderson down, and Michael Hutchinson, bless his dirty little soul, uh, he is not going to be in the net anytime soon. Please. Please. Yeah, I think as a Leafs fan, you got to be happy about that. Um, I'm actually surprised though that I mean that honestly, it, I, I don't. I guess I don't really know as much about Anderson's injury, how severe it might be. If they're really that worried that they're going to go out and get a guy who is essentially a one B, a back, a really a good backup goaltender to come in and play with Jack Campbell, and maybe it is because again, too, Jack Campbell's had some problems with injuries yeah. too. That maybe they're like, hey, let's get a guy who could potentially start and and we don't have to worry at that point yeah i think it's twofold you've got a guy like riddick who could he can step in and he could start for you at any point anderson's down you don't want jack campbell to get burned out you don't want him to play all the rest of the games you don't want michael hutchinson to play um at all right the other side of it is yeah anderson has been prone to injury and so has jack campbell and they don't want to end up looking like the colorado avalanche we talked about them earlier in the show last year in the playoffs they had two injuries to their goalie and they really they had michael hutchinson was their third goalie who actually played okay uh in a couple games and then he became michael michael hutchinson again so i think this is just purely security you got to think as david riddick you know, you're just along for the ride, and and you hope that you know maybe the opportunity presents itself. He's going to get to play it. Well, he obviously, he played a little bit last night, but uh, not really. Kind of a weird, like, hey, you got traded. Now play against your old team the next day. It's a weird transition. It's not like you're yeah. mad. At, you're not one of those guys who's mad at your old team because they stop believing in you. You just you were in a UFA on a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs, so. They needed to move you because, hey, they could acquire a pick. And there's like no, nothing personal about that at all. And he, plus he's going to get the opportunity to maybe play in the playoffs. That's great. And then you get to play all the guys that you <laughs> were just hanging out with the day before. That's got to right. be, that's, that's a little strange. I, I, I I'll, we'll just write that game off, uh, which he loses in overtime. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Ottawa Senators get a seventh round pick. I really like this move by the Islanders for Braden Coburn. Uh, yeah, basically, there's your six, six, seventh defenseman for the Islanders. Coburn's won a cup, and uh, you can't have a shortage of those guys around. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's that's the whole key, right? You get a good number seven defenseman to plug in in case anybody goes down because they've got some young guys back there, you know, for the Islanders like Noah Dobson, uh, you know, Andy Green. We don't know where, you know, how 
you know, he's injury prone. He's up there in age, so we don't know what you're going to get out of him. So you got a guy you can plug in on that third pairing at any point. The Stanley Cup obviously is there too. But then, you know, you look at a lot of the teams that have won Stanley Cups in the past, uh, at least the last four or five years, they've used seven, eight, nine defensemen throughout the course of right. the, the playoffs. So right. it's going to happen. So go get yours. Yep. Yep, and that seventh round pick has about a like a an eight percent chance of turning into an NHL player. So I'll take exactly the, I'll take the over under on that. Um, speaking of defensemen, Mike Riley goes to the Boston Bruins via the Ottawa Senators for a third round pick in twenty twenty two, and uh, to me that is a high price to pay for Mike Riley, a third round yeah. pick. Whereas Braden Colburn, I know that Braden Colburn hasn't been spectacular uh, this year, but I mean. I'm just a third round pick for Mike Riley. This guy is one of the most overrated players over the last like five years. I mean, when he came into the league with Minnesota, he was touted as, you know, of course he's coming, he coming out of the university of Minnesota. He's touted as this high scoring defenseman and he has a pretty decent rookie year. He, uh, and then he just, you know, kind of bounced around. Never, he's never played a full season. Uh, the most games he's played is 57 games in a year. And it, to me, is just, it seems very odd uh, to give up a third round pick for. I mean, yeah, he's got 19 points in 40 games, but that's for a really bad team. He's playing up. He's not going to do that for the Boston Bruins. Uh, seems like a high price to pay. I, I can't imagine that there were too many other teams out there willing to give more. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would have been, there were a lot of other. Um, lot of other defensemen I mean I guess I would have been more comfortable with you know Boston trying to give up a third round pick for I mean you could have tried to fit a guy like I don't know Ryan Murray right obviously he's got a a cap situation or or maybe even a Colin Miller I mean you can go after a lot of other defensemen versus a Mike Riley in my opinion who would have been a much better fit would have uh, been able to handle a little bit more minutes yeah absolutely Kulikov went for a fourth round pick yeah I, I mean again I I think there were better options. I think they overpaid for this, but you know maybe Boston's that worried, or really they really like this guy and they think he he's going to fit in well. So they they were willing to overpay. That's right. Okay, uh, one of the bigger trades of the day: Jeff Carter goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Kings hang on to fifty percent of his contract. It's for a. 2022 conditional third round pick and a 2023 conditional fourth round pick. Here's the conditions. 2022 third round can upgrade to a second round pick if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup Finals and Jeff Carter plays in 50% of the games. The condition on the fourth round pick, it'll upgrade to a third round pick if Carter plays in 50 games during uh, next year, if he plays in at least 50 games. So potentially a second and a third round pick for Jeff Carter. you gotta, you got to like that. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins were able to, Ron Hextall able to negotiate those conditions in because, you know, hey, if it doesn't work out and those things don't happen, you gave up a third and a fourth round pick for a guy who's going to likely come in and at least attempt to be your second line center right now with Malkin out. Yeah, and I mean, you gotta you got to look at it too from a Pittsburgh advantage. They're getting a guy who can still score goals. He can still take draws. I mean, he's still producing. I mean, he's probably going to give you 30 to 40 points next year. Yeah, he can still for, skate. Yeah, but for a third and fourth round pick, that's still a great value, and especially at the cap hit that they get him at at $2.6 million for next year. That's next to nothing for a guy with a Stanley Cup on his resume. and two. you know the Yeah, two and the ability to produce. So no, I, I like to move from Pittsburgh. Yeah, he does. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, he has two. Are you sure he has yep. two? Yeah, he came in with uh, Mike Richards, I remember. Uh, yeah, so, that's right. So L.A. when they won their cup, so their first one anyways. Yeah, 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 okay. Yep, yeah, because he was, he was in Columbus for, for a second there, too. For like five games or something, I think. <laughs> yeah, 39, yeah. Right. <laughs> the only reason I know that is because I'm looking at it. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go to the bigum. The well, the uh, the biggest name I'll say dealt on deadline day. Uh, Taylor Hall sent to the Boston Bruins along with Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork and a 2021 second round pick. Bruins also hang uh, Sabers, sorry, also hang on to four million dollars. Your thoughts on this deal? Yeah. So first off, the reason why he managed to get only a second, whereas Felino got a first. So um, no it's the no movement clause, clause right? Yeah. That's what it, it boils down to. But he, he basically has the leverage where Buffalo has to get something for him because you know he's not re-signing as bad as this team is. And if you're Kevin Adams, you're saying, okay, crap, we have to take something at this point. And if Boston's willing to give a second rounder, I mean, why not, right? Here's, so, the, th- here's, the, here's what I want. Here's, here's, my, here's my issue. Is I, I totally understand that. I get it. Uh, if if Taylor Hall and I know based on what Taylor Hall said afterwards, he he you know he he made it pretty clear he wanted to go to Boston. Uh, I think it's out there that in the off season he he wanted to go and play for the Bruins, and yep. they had too many things they had to move around and they couldn't do it. And I mean, hey, uh, David Krejci's contract is ending at the end of the year. The Bruins do have space, and so Taylor Hall could potentially sign a nice extension here and assuming that everything works out, you know, he, he gets to go to the team that he wanted to go to in the first place. I get that. And maybe he said, I will not accept a trade to anyone except for the Boston Bruins, which I, I have a hard time believing if, if the Leafs said we want Taylor Hall and that he would right. say no, but I'm sure there were, but the, or the Islanders, probably, I think the Islanders probably were, were in on that. They probably inquired, but I'm sure again, like most teams, they're probably scared off because of his lack of production. Right. I mean, yeah. He, he played a lot. Yeah, he played a lot of time with Jack Eichel and Eric Stahl. So these are guys that can still feed him the puck, and he just couldn't produce. And I think that devalued him a little bit more. Yeah, he caught the he caught the Jeff Skinner bug. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that that's another reason why he didn't get as much in return for you know, say a guy like Nick Foligno who has absolutely no center but still managed to produce. Yeah. Uh, the the other side to this. And and if I'm Kevin Adams, you know this is your, this is his, I guess this is his. Is this his second trade deadline? Second then? deadline. Yep. Second deadline. So you allowed a player to handcuff you, and essentially you allowed a team to to also handcuff you. Like he could have just no. He he made this deal in the evening when when this actually happened. Like you know it was when everybody was asleep, right? So. Uh, this deal, to me, he could have waited until 2.45 p.m. You didn't have to do it the night before. Uh, to me, I look at it and I say, dude, what, like, what's the, the worst thing now is everybody knows that they can have you. Like, he, he let go because it was a panic move. Oh, I, I have to get something for Taylor Hall. We can't just keep him. And because of that, now I think that, you know, other GMs, I have to be looking at the Sabres like, well, we can feast on them. <laughs> like, right. I, 
I really think that there was there's something to be said about, well, no, I mean, if we're not going to get what this guy's worth, then we're just not going to trade him and we're going to take that hit. And they could have done that. I, I get, you know, maybe that that hurts in the short term, but you you need to have some balls. Like you got to go, no, we're taking nothing less than a first round pick for Taylor Hall because he's freaking Taylor Hall. Give he's us your first, trophy winner. Give us your first round pick or you don't get Taylor Hall. Yeah. Or or at least get two, like two second round picks. Okay, I could I can live with two second round picks. You know. I would even live with a second and a, a second third. and a third so, yeah, something, which obviously this the the Bruins gave their third one of their third round picks to get Mike Riley. Uh but they needed to get more. And if he was handcuffed too too bad. Like just say fine. Okay, no problem Taylor. Uh, you're going to be playing for the Buffalo Sabres for the rest of the year then, and you won't be going to the playoffs again. And you know what, Boston, if you really want this guy, too bad. It's going to cost you more than that. We don't really care. We don't need your third. Basically, the second round pick is the third round pick. Remember that too. Like It's going to be probably somewhere in the 55 to 64 range. right? And remember, we've, we're next. this next draft, we're going to have an extra team in there too. So right. there, so the last pick of the dra- of each round is number thirty two. So you know what if what if the Bruins go and win the cup? Now that pick is a sixty fourth overall pick, and Anders Bjork for Taylor Hall, and you gave up Curtis Lazar. Oh, uh, I think it's a this is this is absolutely a brutal 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 trade. I I think in more ways than just the what was retained. Kevin Adams showed the guy has no stones. He should have said, "Nope, sorry. There is a there is there is a minimum that you need to give up in order to get a guy like Taylor Hall, and we will not go below it." And he didn't do that, and that is going to screw the Buffalo Sabers for at, at least until he proves somewhere down the line that uh, that he's not going to let that happen again. And it's yeah. That's a good point. So next year we'll see Rasmus Dahlin get dealt for a third rounder, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's going to have to deal, probably going to have to deal wrist alignment. You like, there's going to be, oh, there's going to be some kind of, some kind of blow up here because this team can't come back the way that it is. So no, who no. are you going to deal? What are you going to get? Everyone already knows that you're going to, I mean, wrist alignment only has one year left on his deal. Well, he's a UFA. So I guess we can get him cheap because it's the Sabres. <laughs> I I don't I don't like it at all. I th- I think it's you watch this is gonna it's gonna bite the Sabers for as Can't long wait. as Kevin Adams is their general manager. Okay, uh, we'll we'll stop beating on the the poor already bruised and beaten Buffalo Sabers. Uh, small move. Adam Gaudet goes from the Canucks to the Blackhawks in exchange for Matthew Highmore. Adam Gaudet, patient zero for the COVID infection, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they, they just they didn't want him anymore. So uh, I, I think there were issues beforehand, but uh, small small little move, but maybe a fresh start for both players, which is kind of what Jim Benning hinted towards about Adam Gaudet. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to say about that move. Nope, moving on. Okay, Dmitry Kulikov to the Oilers. Really their big acquisition of the day, acquiring a, a guy who's like a fifth, sixth defenseman, and that is for a conditional fourth-round pick. It'll become a third-round pick if they win a playoff round, which is reasonably likely. You know, there's there's a decent chance. It's looking like right now, I know you think that Edmonton's going to play Toronto in the first round, but 
Uh, Edmonton right now, seven points up on the Montreal Canadiens. I know the Canadiens have three games in hand, but Montreal is not good enough to win all three of those games. So, uh, and that still would put them out of the playoffs. So I, I think it's likely that we see a Winnipeg Edmonton first round and I, I don't hate their chances. So, you know, hey, a, a third round pick for Kulikov, pretty good for the Devils. The Devils made out great on this day. Yeah, yeah, they did pretty good. I, I will say as far as this deal is concerned, I'm a little disappointed uh, with Ken Holland that he didn't swing a little bit harder for, um, you know, somebody else. I, don't get me wrong, Kulikov, he's had good defensive, uh, you know, metrics this year. His numbers have been looking pretty good, even though he's not producing from an offensive standpoint. Still pretty good, but I would have liked to have seen him swing harder for, you know, maybe go after a guy like, um, gosh, I mean, literally anybody. Like I said, you could have gone after, I would have been happier with maybe Colin Miller from Buffalo or, uh, you know, even try to pry Alex Goligoski from from Arizona. You know, you could try to squeeze that that cap in there somehow or even maybe swing harder and go after Josh Manson, Josh Manson from Anaheim, right? Do something to show this team, hey, I'm in it for you guys this year. We're, we're going to make a push. Uh, this team worries me because, you know, when you look at um, the top teams sitting in the playoff, Montreal, Winnipeg, and, and Toronto, Edmonton is below 500 in terms of win percentage against those teams. So that's why I, I do think they needed to swing a little bit harder. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, one one thing to note, Ken Holland hasn't exactly been uh, been somebody who's been able to pull off big trades to help his team. He's, he's certainly been able to help other teams. I mean... You know, you look back to some trade deadlines. The last one, he was with the Red Wings. Uh, probably his last good move, um, really solid, like helped the team was when they dealt Tatar and they got the the first, second, and the third round pick, uh, which the, the Red Wings haven't actually used that third round pick yet that they acquired in that deal. So they still have nope. their third round pick in 2021 from the Vegas Golden Knights. But um, obviously getting Joe, Joe Valeno in that in that draft. And uh, so that, that was a good deal, but a lot of them, you know, you look at what, what he's done. I mean, with the Oilers, what, like he, he flipped Lucic for James Neal. Uh, He's, he, he did acquire Mike green last year at the deadline from the Red Wings, uh, which Mike green didn't really do a whole lot for, for the Oilers. Um, He did get, Andreas Athanasiu from the Red Wings as well. He basically just went and got a couple players that uh, you know that they liked, but they gave up two second round picks, and uh, that's really the that's really it in terms of significant moves that the Oilers have done. So since he became GM, and I know that they're somewhat cap strapped, but um, he hasn't really been known for making great trades. He's a much better you know like setting up a good scouting system and and bringing in guys that way and the Oilers just haven't been able to do that yet under Ken Holland so we'll 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 see how this works out I'm I'm I I I do I feel like I'm I'm in the same boat as you where like this worries me like why weren't the Oilers able to do anything more right based on what all these other teams were doing you know oh we'll just give up a, a fourth round fifth round pick and and this this team will take 25% of the deal like that was happening all over the place. And you'd think that the Oilers could have maybe done a little bit, something like that as well. Shipped out some salary. They've got lots of guys on LTIR anyways. Uh, yeah. As long as dry and McDavid are there, they should be swinging for a home run every deadline to acquire somebody that can make a difference on that lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
and not to mention the fact that you know they're gonna they're they might lose Adam Larson, they're gonna lose Tyson Berry next year. Their goaltending situation is still really weird. Uh, they they've they've got a lot of question marks and and still they're in like cap hell. Uh, yeah, so, are you kidding? Mike Smith is gonna play till he's fifty. He's gonna be Tom right. Brady on that team and. Tom Brady. Well, you'd have to win something to be Tom Brady. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, the Sharks get Magnus Krona from the Lightning for Frederick Clausen, uh, NBD on that one, and the Blackhawks get Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston for Carl Sol- Soderberg. The Avalanche go back and acquire a guy who uh, who played for them, I believe, when Soderberg was on the Avalanche last, 2018. 2019 and he had a pretty good year you know 49 points for the Avs um and I, I he left as a free agent so uh Soderberg goes back to the Avalanche yeah I like this move I think it's a good depth move because again you've got that top line of Landis Cog McKinnon Rantanen that's not going to get split up at all so it gives you some depth in that middle six where you can you know swap out maybe in the Chushkin Don Skoy, uh, you know, you can move some guys around and you got a guy in Carl Soderberg who, again, is familiar with that franchise and those players, so he should gel pretty quickly, I, I would assume. Yeah, I, you got to like you got to like this deal because the Avalanche, I think the one thing that you would say is a, a weakness is their depth at forward. I mean, up and down that lineup, obviously they are so top-heavy and that the top is so talented. They're a lot like the Boston Bruins. Yes. have been the you know where they've got that great the great talent at the top the one thing that maybe the the avs have that the bruins don't is a, a nazem kadri but the the colorado avalanche bringing in carl solderberg i think really helps to solidify that bottom six yep. and, and he could move up if if you need to um okay the avalanche or sorry the the calgary flames they get emil henneman who was a second round pick last year in the draft along with a second round pick in 2022 from the Florida Panthers in exchange for a 2022 sixth round pick and Sam Bennett to the Florida Panthers. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I was kind of shocked to be quite honest. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, it was, it was wise of Florida to go out and again, you know, take a, take a swing and go for somebody. But I think right now you're looking at Sam Bennett, you're thinking, okay, maybe a change of scenery. We can bring in a guy who has the potential to be a 40, 50 point guy who just couldn't make it click in Calgary, right? Maybe I mean, yeah, he's never system. had more than 36 points in a year. Now right, he's the second year in the league. Being a fourth overall pick, I think you can expect this guy to have that kind of potential, right? Where he could be a 40, sure. 50 point guy. Sure. Uh, you know, when you surround him with some more talented guys, like, uh, you know, obviously in Calgary, they had Monahan and Goudreau, but. He never really played with those guys, so he didn't have a lot of you know pieces around him to play with. Now you you send him to a Florida team that you know has a Patrick Hornquist, a, a Carter Verhage, uh, you know Nika Gusev, who they signed uh, for a million bucks. So you get these pieces now. You know Owen Tippett again, a lot of good young pieces where you can potentially you know move him up, you know, and and it gives you more flexibility as well too with uh, you know Alexander Wenberg. So if he's not panning out as you know maybe he kind of you know, stumbles a little bit or has, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a poor streak going through. Now sure. you have, you know, options to put Sam Bennett up there on that second line center spot. Sure. You're definitely uh, buying about as low as it goes for a guy like Sam Bennett. And uh, you're yes. hoping that he can produce. I mean, one thing to note, you know, in the last three years that he's been in the playoffs, he was there last year, the year before and 16, 17 
in 19 games, he has 15 points in the playoffs. And in like just the last two years alone, 13 points in 15 games and six of those goals. So Sam Bennett has produced in the playoffs. Like he is that type of guy. You know, he's that gritty third line guy. I mean, when he came in the league, he was tiny as balls. I remember he couldn't even do, I don't think he could do one pull up. And that was, that was a reason that he fell was that teams thought that he was weak and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously those teams weren't wrong. He, he shouldn't have been taken that high. Uh, but Sam Bennett has, he, you know, he's obviously gotten stronger. He's filled out. Uh, also, the Florida Panthers, that was the year that they took Aaron Eckblad. So, uh, so he obviously went ahead. Imagine if, uh, you know, the, the Oilers hadn't taken Leon Dreisaitl that year. Imagine if the Sabres had taken Leon Dreisaitl and they had Eichel Dreisaitl instead of Ooh. McDavid Dreisaitl. Or McDavid Dreisaitl. So, uh, just uh, some revisionist history there, trying to trying to go back. But yeah, I, I I like this move for the Panthers because the Panthers are kind of they're kind of putting together this team of players that other teams around the league don't want, and they're making putting them into their correct roles, and it's really working for them. And uh, and plus, who doesn't want to live in Florida? <laughs> well, right. At least, uh, at least during hockey season time, you know, once it's once it's like June, I don't want to live in Florida, especially like July, August. No thanks. Okay, a few more moves to go. Uh, the Blackhawks get a second and a third round pick from Vegas in exchange for, and then uh, San Jose gets Matthias Janmark and a fifth round pick from Vegas, and then Vegas gets Matthias Janmark from San Jose and Nick. De Simone and a fifth round pick from Chicago. So kind of a, a lot of salaries moving around uh, so that uh, yeah, Vegas can, can do some other things, but second and a third round pick for Chicago. Yeah. I mean, you can't hate this move for either side, right? Obviously uh, Jan Mark is a UFA after this year, but he's a, he's a nice third line guy. Yeah. He's got 10 goals for you. Yeah, Pretty and decent. that's that's the thing. He can he can still put up a few goals, and uh, you know if anything for Vegas, this kind of helps fill out their depth a little bit because we know uh, this is a team that has dynamic scoring on those top two lines, right? Between you know Stone and Pacioretty on that top line, and you know Smith and Carlson on the second line, it gives you more options now with with Tuck and Janmark on that third line to really roll three lines and, and be more trouble for teams. Yeah, yeah. They they need they needed some depth at forward. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks also get a fourth round pick from Vancouver from Madison Bowie and a fifth round pick. So Chicago stacking up picks for this next draft. They've uh they've they obviously have some more scouts than everybody else. They've been watching a lot more video, you know. Nobody right. can go to games, so they just watch uh watch streams of games. I could be a scout right now. Uh Let's go to one of the biggest trade of the day. It involves your team, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. They trade Anthony Mantha and his $5.7 million contract in exchange for a first-round pick in 2021, a second-round pick in 2022. Richard Ponick, who was the, you know, somewhat of a salary dump there for the Capitals, and Jacob Vrana, who is an RFA at the end of this year. Your thoughts on this monster deal kind of yeah, came out of nowhere. Talk, huh? Yeah, out of, You're not kidding out of nowhere. I mean, this is a guy that, again, last two seasons, Verana, we talk about him 25, 24 goals. Uh, he can produce, right? I mean, granted, 
Now he's been playing with, you know, some good centers up there. Obviously, you know, he got a lot of time on that second line, but uh, you know, he did also see some time on the third line with Lars Eller as well. So, um, hey, there's plenty of players that get put on the on teams first and second lines that don't score 25 goals. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the great thing for Verona, right, is he goes into a situation where now he's going to get a lot more ice time because you know he's sitting behind, you know, T.J. Oshie and Tom Wilson and Alex Ovechkin as far as you know depth on the wing goes. So he's not going to get those top power play, top line, top six minutes. Now he goes to Detroit and he's got that opportunity, right? So I mean, so um, is he going to play? He's going to. I guess the the one game he's played so far, he played with Michael Rasmussen and Valtteri Filppula. No, he hasn't actually played at all yet. With oh, he hasn't Detroit. played. Oh, uh, oh, he hasn't. Oh, they're they're projecting these lines for t- uh, for tonight. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so we'll see how he does. Obviously, you're right, Richard Ponick. He's a salary dump move. Um, you know, the wings got to you know eat some salary there. Um, but and he's he's still around for a couple more years. But I mean, honestly, from a Red Wing standpoint, that's fine. They're not going to be competitive. Yeah, he's not that bad. Like he's he's not a bad guy to have on your fourth line. Right, exactly. And for two point seven five, it's not like he's crushing their cap um, to where they can't right. make any other moves, anyways. Uh, but the the big haul is getting that first and second round basically for Anthony Manta because, I mean, from a Detroit perspective, right? You and I talked about it. I mean, I we mentioned it in our potential, you know, upcoming trades for the deadline that Manta could have got moved as my my wild card there, uh, and that's because Eisenman's been adamant about possibly trading a top six guy. And when you look at, you know, Manta, right? Eisenman's always been, I think he's got a very good eye for guys that, you know, are at their peak and, you know, are just not going to produce anymore, right? I think the Capitals, they want, you know, Mantha to fit in quite well with their top six and they think he's going to produce a little bit more. So get him now at 5.7 and that's a great deal. And I think that, you know, right now it looks pretty good for him because he's a guy that has size, can score the goal and shoot very, very well. So, um, you know, he can sit behind Ovechkin and learn what he does and, you know, hopefully get a little bit better at it. But for Detroit, right, when I watched him play, Mantha was a guy that when he's noticeable, he really lit up the net. But those yep. games where he yep. just wasn't doing anything, he was just – he was worthless. Wouldn't move his feet. He was inconsistent a lot. So you hope that maybe a change of scenery maybe works out better for him. In the well, Capitals. hey, a goal and an assist in his first game with the Caps. So pretty yeah, good start. Not, not bad. Uh, but, I mean, even if you're Detroit and you were given a first and second round pick for Mantha, I think you would have taken that anyways, um, you know, especially for a guy who, you know, is in his, you know, closer to 30 than 20 now at this point in Mantha. And uh, if you're a few years away anyways from being a, con- you know, a potential playoff contender, um, you know, how much can he really contribute anyways where you get a guy like Verona who's, you know, a, a year or two younger, uh, RFA, so now you kind of get a little bit of leverage in terms of salary. And, you know, you don't have to pay him five point seven million dollars now. Yeah, he's yeah he's not going to get that kind of money. I don't think so. Yeah, Mantha, Mantha, I think is going to fit in really well with the Capitals. Though, like I think while they paid the price, uh, I think that he is a better fit than Verona is. Yeah, I agree. I think and, this is going to be a win-win for both teams. And I think Verona's or Mantha's top end. I don't think we've seen it. And shoot, I mean, he's playing with Backstrom and Oshie, so he's getting every opportunity to go go out and do something. And he was also playing on the power play with with Ovechkin back there. You know, you're going to scoop up a point or two, <laughs> just feeding right. it back over to him. So uh, I think good for both players, like good, good both for Verona and for Mantha. Ponick will get some more ice time. He kind of fell out of favor with the with the cap. So I think good for all the players involved. And shoot, Steve Eiserman just showing why he's one of the best in the biz. 
Uh, Leafs acquire Ben Hutton for a fifth round pick. I like uh, from the Ducks. I like this move because Ben Hutton, I think, can be that six seven defenseman for the Leafs, and just I mean, he's basically going to be anybody goes down. Insert Ben Hutton. Yep, and he can he can still chip in a point or two here or there, and he's uh yeah I like this move. It's a good depth move. Yeah, I believe it was Ke- Kevin Bieksa said something about him being the guy that like you never have to worry about in the locker room. He's always happy and and just is a great guy to be around. And that also that plays such a factor, like especially with the way things are right now. Like things are just more stressful. Everything's just more stressful for these guys. And all the all the protocols they have to experience. So when you get a guy who's got a really great attitude, you can't beat that. Nope. Uh, Montreal Canadiens make their final move of the day for Eric Gustafson for a seventh round pick from the Flyers. That is the Blues. Uh, Montreal just kind of stacking out the rest of their uh, the rest of their decor. Yeah, get uh-huh. some depth. I mean, why not, right? But if uh, what this trade more or less signaled to me that Philly was saying, "Hey, we're out of the playoffs. We're not making it." Yep. Right? Yep, absolutely. So, yep, Philly's done. Which terrible. you know, you look at the standings, and there's just it would be pretty hard for Philly to to make it. Although yeah. it is it is pretty crazy the Boston Bruins, you know, where they were two months ago compared to now in the standings. Uh, you know, there there is a chance. I, I I think it's unlikely, but there's a chance. Looking at the at the standings right now. The Boston Bruins could miss the miss the playoffs if somebody gets really hot. Yeah, I think the Rangers, the Rangers have that potential hot. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, especially with Boston with their goaltending situation where it is right now, uh, Rask and Halak being injured. You know, you never know. Yep, yep. That definitely uh, that'll hurt anyone. Um, I'm surprised that the Bruins didn't go out and try to scoop a goalie, but no, I think they're. I think Halak's not too far removed from coming back, and I think they really like Swayman, so. Uh, why bother, right? I mean, if you like what you got. I suppose know. so, yeah. Uh, a move I really liked, uh, it kind of flew under the radar last minute. The Ducks acquire Hayden Fleury, who, uh, if you remember, I mean, this guy was this guy was a, a high, high pick. What was he? Uh, seventh overall. Seventh. Seventh overall in 2014. Yeah. Never really panned out the way that the Hurricanes hoped, but they had so many dang defensemen. It didn't really matter. And then... Uh, so they trade him for Yanni Hakimpa, and man, this guy's just a monster. He's not gonna he's not gonna put up any points, <laughs> but he he's a monster back there on the blue line, uh, which is I think that what the Hurricanes needed. Like they needed something different than what they already had. Yeah, and I mean more to the point too. Like you said, Hayden Flurry, I think is a guy that uh, never given an opportunity in Carolina. So now you go to a Ducks team that's you know, slowly trying to rebuild here. Um, you know, maybe you get a guy now that can maybe, you know, has that potential to, to squeeze into your top four at some point, um, you know, and it doesn't cost you much. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a good move for both teams because I think that, you know, you, you get the defenseman that you want. You maybe, like, talent-wise, you're, you know you're probably giving up a little more, but in terms of what you need for this playoff run, which – Hey, if there's a year for the Carolina Hurricanes to to go, it's this one. Like, if you can get past whoever you have to, uh, like, if you can somehow get past the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think you're pretty. Everyone else, I think Carolina could beat. I think that's really the only team that I'd look at in this division and go, mm, Carolina's going to have a hard time with them. So, uh, yes. especially with Dallas and the position that they're in, it 
doesn't look like Dallas is uh, is going to make the playoffs anymore. So I think if you're Carolina, you gotta you gotta have the right pieces in place to be able to go on this run, and, and they're trying to do that. Um, the San Jose Sharks get Alexander Barabana from the Toronto Maple Leafs for Anti Suamella. I think more or less just a contract dump there for the Leafs. The Predators get Eric Branson at $4 million bucks from the Ottawa Senators for Brandon Fortunato and a 2023 seventh round pick. The Nashville Predators, supposed to be big time sellers, go out and acquire the worst defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, clearly they're thinking we want a guy that we can put as our number seven, but maybe yes, you should yes. just look past this guy, you know, next time. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, for now, after years of making fun of him, I'm having a brain fart. Who was the defenseman on the Detroit Red Wings that was just horrible for so long? For so long. Oh, man. Well, he was on their team for years and years and years. He was making like four million bucks or something like that every year and. He was terrible. I don't know. Oh my goodness! How don't you know? Yeah, that's uh. Are you talking about Danny DeKaiser? No, 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 not Danny DeKaiser. Not Danny DeKaiser. It's gonna bother me, so I'm gonna have to try and figure <laughs> this out. Uh, well, you figure it out. I'm gonna go to the next one. Okay, uh, uh, Jonathan Erickson. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. Terrible. The You're actual right. <laughs> worst defenseman of all time. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, moving on, Philly getting a fifth rounder for Michael Raffle again. Another pick or another you know trade signaling that Philly is out of it, that they're done and getting rid of assets. Yeah, yeah, and I like that scoop up for for the Capitals. Uh, I like what Raffle can bring on the on that bottom six, and you can kind of slot him all over the place. He can kill some penalties, and you know he'll definitely provide a little bit of muscle. Yep. At least throw his little body around. Uh, and one last pick at like 255, the Winnipeg Jets do something as they throw a sixth-round pick to the Canucks for Jordy Ben. Yeah, this one to me was another disappointing pick for the, the Jets, right? So I, I don't mind the Canucks making the move to get some picks for a guy who's going to be leaving after this. Well, yeah, and you, and you don't mind the Jets getting Jordy Ben for as a depth move, of course. No, but I don't like that the Jets did nothing else Yeah. in this. You know, I think this is a team that's poised to make a run at it, uh, you know, and especially because when you look at the roster up and down, you know, Blake Wheeler, 34, Paul Stasny, 35, uh, you know, they've got some older guys mixed in with some young talent, so why not make the move now? You know, for some of those older guys, while you've got a guy like Connor Hollibuck at the top of his game, no. you know you're the, you know your forward group is as dangerous as almost any forward group out there right now. Uh, yep. You know, you can, I mean, Kyle Connor to me, he flies under the radar as one of the better goal scorers in the NHL. I don't know why people don't talk about him more. Um, hey, why don't we talk about him right now? We'll give him some. Well, more. let's talk about him. Connor, I mean, I, Connor, Kyle Connor, pretty good player. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, I will say uh, Tim she- uh, Sheveldayoff did come out and say that they tried. They they were in on some moves, and the players that they had uh, pinned and that they were trying to acquire, those teams decided not to deal those players. So yeah, you didn't try hard enough. I guess what do you do if you know the, the players that you want don't end up getting dealt? Uh, but, yeah, you got to – also, Winnipeg – like. 
nobody's going to probably shake their no move clause to go to Winnipeg. So it's not like they were going to be in on Taylor Hall or anything like that. Like the, the, there wasn't a whole lot out there for the Jets, I don't think. Although when you look at even just the small moves that other teams made, like the Oilers getting Dmitry Kulikov, you, you couldn't have given up a, a fourth round pick for Kulikov. You know, like that same the same type of deal. Like, especially since you're already familiar with them, uh, there there were just some players where you look and you go, I mean, why couldn't the Jets have done that? Yeah, I honestly, the one guy I would have liked to have seen them go after, who I thought, you know, could potentially add a little spark on the back end, was Tony D'Angelo from New York, right? Well, they, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he he would have gone to Montreal. Apparently, there was like a there was a deal in place, and Montreal would have given him a new contract uh but he he didn't want well, to take he it he want. wants to get he wants the buyout and he's because he's going to get more money and and he thinks i think in the offseason he's going to go out and he's going to get more money he'll be a right. free agent so they're going to buy him out so i think in his mind he he's wants the money <laughs> and maybe that's yeah maybe that's the case but i think if you're you know winnipeg take him on and then you get a guy who you know at four million bucks you can still like i mean why wouldn't you want to go play for four million bucks if you really if you really think you're going to get that much more with the buyout in the offseason right which i don't think he will so yeah yeah well and maybe that just i don't disagree someone like that would have been nice for the jets i I know that there's some teams that don't want tony d'angelo but um i think it's stupid so yeah Well, that is trade deadline day. Good, good little recap there, Justin. Nice work. Yeah. Uh, well, and on the back to you as well. Well, uh, now that all the trades are done, we don't have a show for a while. No, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, we'll we'll keep on talking hockey, and obviously the playoffs are upon us. So uh, as we start getting closer to that, we'll uh, we'll be breaking down all the playoff races, and who knows, we'll be throwing in some top tens. We haven't done the top ten in a minute either. It has been a few, yes. We'll have to bring those back at some point. That's a, that's off-season stuff, though. So, um, If you haven't checked out the Mid-Season Futility Awards, you probably should because they were a hoot. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts on this trade deadline before we uh, before we wrap it up, Justin? No, you know, it's it's exciting. We've got, uh, you know, seven to ten games for most of these teams left, and uh, I'm excited, you know. Playoffs are getting close. Who has seven games left? Nobody. <laughs> 12. 12. 12 is I'm the sorry. least You're amount. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah Vancouver, we're, we're getting there. Vancouver's got like 19 left. <laughs> uh, I don't, we don't talk about them. <laughs> are they going to like force all those games? Or are they just going to be like, you know what? You're so far out of the playoffs. We'll just let you not play. Uh, that's a good question. I'm, we'll I'm curious about that. We'll see what happens. We'll see if everyone plays all 56. That'll be the other curious thing. Mm-hmm. If they'll like... L- lower it down to like a 52 or a a 54 or something like that, which could really screw with some teams. Like these teams that are already at 44 games, like, like the Arizona uh, coyotes who are one point out of the playoffs that would leave them with like 10 games left or eight games left. You know, they they've lost five in a row. They've just been stinking up the joint. Anyways, we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of those teams on our next show. Find us on Twitter at OT hockey talk. Enjoy the rest of your day. And, uh, We'll be here for you. We'll be talking hockey real soon. We'll talk to you soon.